Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share Home Threads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As a resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. One of my favorite hacks for trying to introduce new foods to my kids is to use pasta as the vehicle because it's partnering something that's new with something that's really familiar and it seems to make them more comfortable. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding us kids. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stacy. We're together for just a little bit longer I know. in Austin. Sad to part ways. I know. It's been really fun to hang yes. out with you and eat with you and drink with you and plan lots of didn't I just feed you. Mommy juice. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I feel like the last couple episodes we got on some high level feeding our family things yeah. like the invisible work, talking about mommy juice. Even our interview with Roe of Brown Kids was very, very outside of the nitty gritty daily. And whew, you're about to head home to your kids. What yeah. are you going to feed them when you get home? I am going to be gone for a whole other week before I land home. And probably there's only going to be pasta in my pantry. You can always count on pasta. Can I? Can you? I can, and let's talk about that today. Okay. Let's uh, let's go let's go deep on pasta. <clears throat> can we talk about making pasta from scratch? Can we talk about our favorite box mac and cheese? Can we talk about pasta alternatives? Too? We're going to talk about all of it, and yes. that's a lot. So you know what? Let's like you said, like no big high no stations, no bullshit. Let's get down to the nitty gritty and pack this episode full of like tips, recipes that we share on the show notes and ideas, maybe some new ideas to help people either pull their kids into kitchen to make it more fun or to get out of the kitchen faster if that's what they want. 
Either way. Because pasta can do both for you. Yes. yes. Okay. So quick question. What are your favorite pastas to stock in your pantry? Great question. So I actually don't love to eat pasta all the time. It just makes me feel really like full and bloated. And one of the boys is not that into pasta. Like you guys never eat mac and cheese. They love pasta. Oh. We don't love mac and cheese. Okay. Separate, separate issues. Separate issues. And I know we're going to get into that. Because I know you feel sad for us that we don't eat mac and cheese. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But you don't feel sad about it. I don't feel sad about it. So I almost always have spaghetti. Not, I used to be really big on angel hair. I don't like it now. But my boys really love spaghetti and meatballs and they love spaghetti and meat sauce. And I feel like classic spaghetti is the perfect weight for you both You kind of, of can't go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's great for both of those things. So I always have spaghetti and then I always try to have a cup pasta. So Oliver is obsessed with, and now the entire family is obsessed with, Allison Roman... Wonder, food wonder child, <laughs> right? Everybody's obsessed with Alison Roman. People really least. love her. I feel like it's single lady cooking. So not I'm not trying to be negative, but she does have some really good recipes. So what, I, is, what is the pasta that you guys are obsessed with? I really like had a, I was like, mm, I don't know if I like her. I didn't think it was single lady cooking because also she's not single. But she's like, she's got a partner. She's got a, and like, she's always talking about cooking with him and like, but I do feel like it's millennial cooking. Okay. But then I gave it more of a chance. She's really good. Yeah. She's really good. And it's really simple. I mean, the truth is that I think millennials like to cook the way a lot of busy family cooks like to cook, which is like fast, easy, and eking out as much flavor as possible from as few ingredients as possible. So anyway, she always has these viral recipes, right? The curry chickpea stew. Yep. And then the shortbread chocolate chip cookie. The hashtag the cookie. The cookie. (laughs) So the latest one is her creamy cauliflower pasta. Okay. And it's freaking delicious. And it's so easy to make. But really quick, what cut pasta? She uses rigatoni. Okay. But I always have a spaghetti and a cut pasta. So I don't usually like rigatoni. I like like garganelli or something like curly that just captures more of the pasta sauce. Um, But now we've been getting rigatoni because I like the way the cauliflower gets cut and like caught in the tube and like scoops up the sauce. Now, I want to hear more about the cauliflower pasta, but I want to ask, do you buy any fresh packed pasta like gnocchi that's shelf stable or tortellini or ravioli that's like in the fresh section at your grocery store? No. Although recently I've started buying, I used to think that gnocchi, I actually posted this on my personal Instagram. Yeah. Stacy Billis. I used to think that refrigerator gnocchi is really gross. Actually, I'm, I'm going to admit that I still do. <laughs> Except there's one way to cook it that you introduced me to. Which is? The recipe on the kitchen. Where you roast it. Yes. With veggies. Which I still am, I blow, it still blows my mind because you think for pasta, you always have to boil water. But in some cases, you like with gnocchi, you don't have to. You can get it super crispy in there. I want to add that I've felt the same way about gnocchi for a long time. And the recent love affair that everyone seems to be having with the Trader Joe's cauliflower gnocchi, I've never had a great experience cooking or eating it. I know some people really love it. 
but it's not for me. Uh, I've never tried it. But we do buy a lot of the fresh packed tortellini. My kids are really into that. And I honestly find that if I cook one of those packages of tortellini, I can put any other thing with it. Any vegetable, green, orange, whether it's like roasted veggies or a handful of spinach at the end, my kids will eat it because they're so happy to have the tortellini, which sounds crazy, but it works. And actually, I've written about this for the kitchen that one of my favorite hacks for trying to introduce new foods to my kids is to use pasta as the vehicle because it's partnering something that's new with something that's really familiar and it seems to make them more comfortable. Yeah, and even taking that a step further because I've also written about that too. And then I think I've mentioned in our one of our picky eating episodes this book called Food Chaining, which yes. I read a long time ago. Which, if you have a really extreme picky eater, you do what you just explained, right? Where you use pasta as a vehicle to introduce new things. But then, because so many cultures make some form of noodle or pasta, you can then build off the texture and shape. So once they get used to a whole bunch of new things, you can then move them to soba, which is a different color and texture. You can move them to rice noodles and you can kind of like keep inching forward. It takes a long time, but it works. Yeah. And it's a great way of introducing different cuisines. I I also have found it to not take as long, maybe just because I've thrown soba and rice noodles at my kids as pasta. They know pasta. I don't get into, oh, this, this soba is like a buckwheat noodle. Do they call it soba? Yeah, now they do. When they were little, it was just another different form of pasta. But I do love the tie-in where you can introduce other cultures through something as simple as pasta. Um, And keeping spaghetti on hand is really smart because you can also use it not just for meat sauce or like red sauce spaghetti, but you can make like a quick peanut sauce and make um, noodle bowls with your spaghetti too. Like you don't have to have a specialty pasta. Totally. To do some other interesting sauces. Totally. From different cultures. Yeah. I recently did something. Oh, I made a crispy peanut tofu. Mmm. Delicious. Actually from Minimalist Baker. It was fantastic. And my family doesn't normally love tofu. And then I did have rice noodles, but you can do this with spaghetti, just like you're saying. I cooked it. And literally all I had to toss it with was a little bit of oil, neutral oil. I use grapeseed and um, rice wine vinegar. That's it. And then I shredded uh, cabbage and put a little bit of uh, lime juice, you know, vinegar, a little bit of sesame oil. And then I tossed the shredded cabbage and the pasta together cold and served it with the tofu, and my kids were freaking out. They loved it. That sounds so good. And then chili oil on the side for the grown-ups. Flavor all around. It was really delicious and really simple. I think you brought up a really good point, which is we forget that we can serve pasta cold. And you talked about in our meal prep episode with Tracy Benjamin about how you love to prep pasta for meal prep because then you can turn it into quick dinners with like raw veggies and leftovers if you need to, and and a quick sauce, sort of like you're talking about. Or you can turn it into stuff for lunch boxes too. And also you can make it your hot pasta dish. So it's really just a matter of cooking it. I have directions that I'll add to the show notes on how to cook pasta ahead of time. 
But I think people are afraid that if you cook pasta ahead of time, you can only use it cold. But we know that actually, if you just reduce your cooking time and follow a couple of really simple instructions that I'll share on the site, then you can actually reheat the pasta and it will not be gooey or soggy or anything terrible because you've actually cooked it less. It's like super al dente and you're going to cook it right back in the sauce. The key is give us the secret sauce, Stacey. Well, you know it too, right? We're going to share with everybody. Never, never rinse your pasta with water. Yep. After it comes out of the cooking water and always scoop out a mug full of the pasta cooking water because all the starches in that water is gonna help your sauce adhere to the pasta and give it that velvety, beautiful, like silky texture. It's also like a fixer. That little bit of pasta water, let's say you make a sauce and it's too thick or it's not sticking to the pasta, just like a splash of the pasta water and a few more minutes on the heat will totally change the consistency of your sauce. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're doing something like building a peanut sauce, you can actually use the pasta water to thin the peanut butter and then add the other flavorful flavorful oils and not do a ton of work, the whisking, the shaking, the jar, trying to create an emulsion because the starch in the pasta water will help you do that. Yes. 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 Preach it. All praise pasta water. So what sauces, other than tomato-based sauces that I think our audience is probably familiar to and a go-to for a lot of them, do you put on your pastas that might be a surprise to people? We do a sort of hacky carbonara Mm. very often. And if you've never cooked traditional carbonara, they want you to have, oh, I'm going to blink on the name of it, Gornicelli? Gornicelli. Yes, the, yeah. the pasta shape. No, or, the uh, bacon. It's like bacon. Oh, guanciale. Guanciale. Thank you. Cheek. Cheek. And use that to like render out some fat. And then you cook, the, like add the pasta and you make this sauce that's very like egg yolks and Parmesan based. And there's all these debates like there's never peas added or there are peas added or you never use cream or you do use cream or use whole eggs or yolks. Um, I forget all of that. We use bacon, like we crisp bacon in a pan. We boil whatever pasta we have on hand. Pasta shape is not important to us. And then in a little bowl, I whisk together egg yolk and a whole egg, a little bit of that pasta water and a ton of Parmesan cheese. And then I throw a handful of frozen peas in when I throw the pasta in and they, they thaw in the pasta. And then off the heat, add that sauce of the eggs and Parmesan and add more Parmesan. And it's like breakfast pasta for dinner. And we don't like, we switch up the veggies sometimes. Sometimes it's not bacon. Sometimes it's pancetta, but I find that like a really great way to serve a simple pasta dish. That's very flavorful. The other thing that I do a lot is honestly just make like a flavorful oil, like put some olive oil in the bottom of a saucepan, add a little bit of garlic and any herbs that we have on hand, and then add vegetables to it and throw the pasta in at the last minute and more Parmesan or Romano cheese. Because I think pasta can be simple, but I do think um, we shop for nicer like premium dry pasta when we can i know it's really tempting when there's like the five cent box of macaroni but buying a brand like de coco 
to check out. Yeah. Thank you, Stacey. That's like a durum wheat a durum mm-hmm. pasta and has two ingredients. It just tastes better. Um, you're less likely to overcook it. It's, I find it cooks more consistently no matter how I'm cooking it. What about you? What are some of your secret sauces? So I want to go back to what you said about the like simple flavorful oils because I think that that's so smart and something that people don't know that they can do or that they don't know how to do. And the same goes for butter. And mm. I think that the problem is that when you don't have that pasta cooking water, you run the risk of just greasing your pasta, right? The oil stays on top, it's greasy. It's like, how does this become a sauce? So the secret to making an oil or a butter sauce work is that you do all the things you described, whether it's with butter or oil, and then you add half a mug full of that pasta cooking water. And it's gonna seem really runny. But then you, and you're in a like high-sided big pan. And then you put the pasta into the pan and you start tossing over heat before you add the cheese, right? And all of a sudden you're gonna see that like oil or butter go from like just greasy to like silky sauce. It's gonna thicken and it's gonna coat the pasta in a way that a nice like thin sauce would. You can even add sometimes a splash of broth. Sometimes yeah. I do that if I'm worried that like, like if I don't have unsalt, if I don't have salted butter on hand, sometimes I only have unsalted. I try to keep both, but I'll be like, mm, this isn't going to have enough flavor. And I just don't want to add that one top layer of salt. Yeah. I want a depth of saltiness, chicken broth, like just a splash or two. So I do that a lot. And what I like about those ideas is that it turns pasta into a complete pantry meal. Yep. Right. So if you think about your chickpeas in the pantry, frozen peas or frozen broccoli. I don't love frozen broccoli, but this is one way that it can totally work. Even edamame, like we were talking about soba noodles. But you think about using stuff only from your freezer or pantry and then oil or butter. You've got a meal where like you come home from vacation and there's nothing around and you can throw together a dinner in pretty much 18 to 25 minutes. Oh man, that reminds me of one of my most favorite recent pasta dishes, which I've cooked for a really long time and then totally forgotten about, which is Jenny Rosenstrach from Dinner a Love Story has written about this caramelized onion and yogurt pasta. And actually I wrote about it on the kitchen and we can share that in the show notes. But essentially like everyone has an onion hanging out, right? So you chop up an onion and you caramelize it in a pan and then you mix together a little bit of yogurt and I think there's some garlic and maybe a ton of lemon zest and lemon juice like in a separate bowl. And then when you add the pasta to the caramelized onions, you add the yogurt and no one can ever tell that it's a yogurt sauce. And it's super stable. Like you don't have to worry about it. Se- the yogurt separating. You know, sometimes if you add cream to a pan sauce, it can kind of break and look grody. Not with the yogurt. And everyone is like, "What is? What is this? Oh, it has um, like a soft cheese in it. You can use a sheep's milk yogurt or goat cheese. And it just everyone's like, "What is this? And it's one of those pasta dishes that my family loves. But we've also served it for dinner parties because it's so be- it's so beautiful. It has like the lemon zest and you add a little bit of spinach right before you serve it. And it has this like beautiful creamy sauce on it and people freak out about it. But you probably have 
like half of those things in your pantry right now. The pasta, the onion that you just need to chop, yogurt in the fridge that needs to be used up, a half a lemon that needs to be used up. And if you don't have a handful of spinach, it wouldn't be the end of the world. You can add another quick cooking veggie. But yogurt as a sauce, I forget about. That sounds so delicious. I've made a version of that, but I love the sound of that one. It seems like it has a little more depth of flavor. And you're reminding me when you said you whisked together the lemon juice and added at the end, finishing pasta dishes, Yeah. right? So you toss your pasta with your sauce, and then if you feel like something is missing or you just want to automatically do this because it will always add another beautiful layer of flavor, you want to finish a pasta, right? So keep that good olive oil, like use the regular supermarket stuff for cooking or your neutral oil, not if you're doing like a red sauce Italian. Yeah. But keep a little bottle of more expensive olive oil that you don't use to cook. You're wasting your money when you do that. But put a, like a healthy glug, not a little drizzle, people, like a glug, 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 <laughs> and then toss it. Or finish with lemon zest, or finish with a squeeze of lemon, or some kind of acid to brighten it. Finish with a pat of butter if you need to. Fresh cracked black pepper. Yes. Fresh or dried herbs to finish. And hard cheeses. Hard cheeses. I also want to mention just the teeniest bit of vinegar sometimes, depending on the sauce. We really are having a love affair with cherry vinegar right now. And not like the supermarket brand but something you can find a lot of locally produced vinegars um, in specialty shops and you just need like a small bottle. And I'm talking about adding like a teaspoon splash of vinegar right before you serve it. I love that. I did that with um, a lentil bolognese that I made because it's so like earthy. So if you have like a vegetarian sauce that needs just some kind of brightness, that works really nicely. And I'm gonna make a plug for flavored breadcrumbs. Ooh. Oh my gosh. So so you have to flavor them yourself, not like Italian style. Get panko while your pasta cooks, get a little pan, heat some olive oil, put the breadcrumbs in there, and then toss the breadcrumbs right away to make sure that they're all coated. You want everything to look equally kind of quote unquote wet, right? And then put them over like a medium low heat to watch them toast. You just want them to get a nice like golden brown color. But you can put lemon zest in the breadcrumbs. You can put herbs in the breadcrumbs. I always added cheese to the breadcrumbs off the heat. Because I've learned from an Italian chef who I did some classes with that the cheese, the enzymes basically and the proteins break down in the heat. So you want it to be warm, like as as you take it off the heat, it's still warm. But when you do it and you still have fire under it, you're You're getting cooking cheese. Yeah, and you're cooking some of the flavor out that way too. But this Allison Roman cauliflower recipe. Give it to us. In her breadcrumbs, she specifically says, add the cheese while it's still on the heat because it's going to cause some of the breadcrumbs to clump and she used the word granola. She's like, you get this granola-y effect. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna try it. It's breaking the rules that I learned, <laughs> but I'm gonna try it because you use just the right word to hook me. And I won't do it all the time, but it does work really beautifully. It's really nice. It creates, you have some loose panko and then some like clusters of panko with just enough cheese because you're gonna add more cheese to the pasta too. 
So do you want to tell us more about the Allison Roman cauliflower sauce or should we just link to it in the show notes? Because I feel like we've spent a good 20 minutes just geeking out about pasta and we haven't talked about some funny stuff like box mac and cheese. Okay, let's talk about box. I'll just link to it in the show notes, but I also want to make sure that we get to some real quick basics about how mm-hmm. to cook pasta correctly. But maybe that'll be like a lightning round or something. Let's talk yeah. about mac and cheese. Let's. I feel like we need to. You do not eat mac and cheese. Uh, we don't eat it at home. Where do you eat it? Like at a ra- like okay. I would say that like maybe once every six months I have a craving and I'll you know I'll get it at a restaurant. Like, we have a ton of great barbecue restaurants in Brooklyn, and I'll order it. Is that because you don't like it from a nutrition standpoint, or just, like, no one really eats it? Like, what is the... Because I think we, we, even as food writers, associate macaroni and cheese as kid food and, like, family food. I, I mean, I don't. I love mac and cheese. Yeah. So I feel like mac and cheese, I've always associated really delicious mac and cheese. My stepmother made the best mac and cheese with a lot of work, like multiple cheeses, like mixing it all up and then the breadcrumbs on top and then baking it. Like that's how I learned to do it. And it seemed like a lot. Um, When the kids were little, also I'm going to just be honest because I'm tired of feeling like it's anti-feminist to not talk about like wanting to like about care diet, about what right. I eat yeah. at home. Like I, mac and cheese to me feels like something that I want to enjoy every once in a while out done really, really well, or I'll make it like for a picnic or for a special occasion. Essentially you're saying because the calories aren't worth it otherwise. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of calories with very little nutrition. So once the kids were born and little, I didn't make it a lot. The alternative was box mac and cheese, which I didn't buy when they were little because it because I didn't want processed foods. Yeah. Now I would. But when they were little, <laughs> I did it. And so they never developed a taste for it. And then Isaac was dairy-free for two years. Yeah. So, so it's like you really can't mac and cheese. It, now he can. Right. He eats all the cheese now. But for cheese those two me. Cheese me. But we just got out of the habit, like when we reintroduced cheese, we did it judiciously. And honestly, eating a ton of cheese doesn't make me feel good. And aside from like weight or calories. Like physically. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. I think that's actually probably true for more people than they realize. Like cheese is just such an part of our food culture that people aren't paying attention to like, oh, processed cheese makes me feel like a slog. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't want to put all that work in and then feel tired and like weird and bloated. Yeah. Which is what happens. But you guys have an alternative to mac and cheese or like what you do that's essentially mac and cheese that Mike makes, right? Yeah. Like if we want like a quick go-to that everybody loves, that's like, we're not like it's Sunday night. We're exhausted. We're not worried about vegetables, which I'm pretty hardcore about making sure there's at least one or two vegetables at every dinner. Uh, he makes orzo risotto, which is a variation of a recipe from Mark Bittman's How to Cook Everything. Um, and it's like his one thing that he cooks. He cooks it really well. And we put a, just like you said, in your carbonara, he puts a ton of Parmesan. And, and that's, that's mac and cheese. Because orzo is a 
is a pasta. It's a very small pasta and it cooks quickly. And if you cook it like risotto, i.e. you're adding a little bit of broth to the pan as you're cooking it and you're stirring a lot, you're releasing a lot of starches, it kind of becomes like an instant creamy sauce that holds it all together. And then when you add the Parmesan, you're adding a ton of flavor and even more creaminess to it. So it sounds as satisfying as mac and cheese. And I have to say that it's not as high maintenance. They call it orzo risotto, but you add the broth all at once. Yeah. It's not this particular recipe, which I'll include in the show notes, is not a like stir, stir, it, stir, stir, then add hot stir, broth. stir, stir, yeah. stir, stir, stir. Yeah. Yeah. But you guys do eat Yeah, I'm going to give you like a listen, Stacy. Listen, Linda. <laughs> Let me tell you about mac and cheese. I I went through a lot of the same feelings about processed food, when, particularly when Ella, my oldest, was little, and I really did not want it to be part of our family culture. And then she had it, like, at my mother-in-law's and loved it and asked for it all the time. And I just found it to be, like, an easy vehicle for vegetables, like cook a box of mac and cheese, throw in zucchini, cherry tomatoes, and she'll, like... She'll eat those vegetables with the mac and cheese. I did go through a brief time period, and I want to mention this because I sometimes think it's like a walk the line between homemade macaroni and cheese and boxed mac and cheese. I bought like dehydrated cheese powder online. And so then, uh, and we can link to it. It's readily available on Amazon. King Arthur Flour makes a great um, like cheddar cheese powder, powder that's white. And essentially, I would just cook whatever pasta we had. I'd buy a lot of small shells because that's what the kids want, like they like. That's what they like about the Annie's brand mac and cheese and cook that pasta and then add butter and a scoop of this dehydrated cheese powder because I felt like it was fewer ingredients. It was less processed, even if it was dehydrated cheese. And I could control the amount of cheese, the amount of salt, what type of butter and milk was used. I mean, yes, you can do that with boxed mac and cheese, but there's lots of other, like, preservatives in the cheese powder. It's not the pasta that's the problem. It's the cheese powder. That's a genius solution. It worked for a while. And actually, then you have cheese powder at home, and it becomes a problem because you're like, ooh, I can put cheese powder on popcorn. I can put cheese powder in yogurt and make, like, yogurt dip for veggies. And you're just, like, eating cheese powder all the time. So, buyer beware. Unless you want to be like, cheese me all the time, maybe buy it in small quantities. Now we keep boxed mac and cheese on hand because Ella can basically cook it herself with minimal supervision. And she feels really proud of that. And I like her having that autonomy in the kitchen. And also, honestly, for my husband, because when I'm not there, he's like, I know how to do this. I feel confident to cook a box of Annie's mac and cheese and serve it with some veggies or some ground meat. And I think that that's true for a lot of people. Like pasta is sold by food writers as being this like very simple thing and you should just know how to make a pan sauce. And it is a little bit of learning and trial and error. And that can be really hard when you have 20 minutes to feed your kids between like coming home after school, after after aftercare, and then you have to go to T-ball or to Girl Scouts or whatever it is. I am recently obsessed, though, with making mac and cheese in the Instant Pot. And I'll link to my recipe for that on thekitchen.com. But it is so fast. You, like, cook pasta in milk. Is it even in milk? It's in water. 
It takes like four minutes. And then at the end, you add a bunch of cheese, whatever cheeses you want. You put the lid on for two minutes and let the cheese melt. And it's like the creamiest, most delicious mac and cheese. And it's really fast without a box. And I think anyone can make it if they have an Instant Pot. That sounds great too. And I will say for the record, I would make mac and cheese if my kids would eat it. Oliver won't eat it. Yeah. He recently had to have it at somebody's house and asked me for garlic powder. I don't know why, but he loves a ton of garlic powder on his pizza too. And he added that, I think, expecting it to kind of mask the flavor. And then he was like, this is delicious. So every once in a while, if it's served to him, or offered, he'll say, okay, do you have garlic powder? And he'll eat it that way. So I bet I could buy it now and then just serve it to him with a lot of garlic powder. But like, it just doesn't seem, like I don't wanna, I don't need to go out of my way to serve it. Like since we have other quick solutions. But if it was something that he just liked and that both of my kids just liked, I would totally buy Annie's mac and cheese. In fact, when we left for this trip, Mike and I went food shopping and I was like, do you want a box of mac and cheese just in case? Like, just remember to add the garlic powder. For yeah. <laughs> and he was like, no, like he just got frozen rice instead. You know how they have the yeah. like where he could just eat it in the microwave. So just as convenient. But my kids will eat rice with rice wine vinegar on it. So, you know, and then he did a pasta one night. Yeah. Like, so it's just I think it's a matter of habits, but mac and cheese is great and I couldn't agree with you more that for so many families, it's a vehicle to vegetables or even other proteins. Yeah. Like tossing some chicken in there, some chickpeas if your kids will accept that. Oh man, there's so much more I wanna say about pasta. I'm gonna add one thing and then I think we should get into a lightning round of our best tips for cooking pasta, for cooking dry pasta. And the only thing I wanna add is that I always forget this and now is the time to do it I love making pasta from scratch with my kids. Don't at me, don't send me hate mail because it is actually way easier than making chocolate chip cookies with them because you can mix it in the food processor. It's literally flour, salt, and eggs. By the time, like you mix it, just a couple quick pulses in the food processor, they can help with that. They can help with cracking the eggs. You take it out of the food processor and wrap it up. It needs to sit for 30 minutes. And in that 30 minutes, you can wash the food processor. You could get a pot of water out. You can chop up any vegetables that you're going to use for your sauce or for your pasta. And then after the 30 minutes, you roll it out. And your kids can roll it out. It doesn't have to be perfect in shape. You can buy a pasta roller very inexpensively on Amazon. Or honestly, we found ours at Goodwill. Like people buy pasta machines all the time and then never use it. And even though we use ours maybe three times a year, it's worth to have it because it's like a hand crank and the kids can hand crank it. And then it's almost instant satisfaction, instant gratification of like, we made something together and we're eating it. And it's cooking with kids that's not sweets because I feel like that's what's sold to us all the time. Like, oh, we have to bake cupcakes and we have to make cookies. And I love to do that, but I know not everyone does. And Pasta might be the place where you can connect with your kids. And we do it in the spring because the eggs are so great from the farmer's market right now. And you get really delicious pasta from that. So PSA, if you're looking for something to cook with your kids this season, pasta is it. (laughs) But you said last night that you make gnocchi with your family. And I I think that's more laborious. I have made gnocchi. I wouldn't do that anymore. (laughs) 
And I, I like, I have no, like that. I know it's easy to you, but you also make croissants from scratch. So it's like one of those. But this is what's so great about this conversation, because, you know, the chicken nuggets, you're like, listen, Billis, like, really, I'm going to bread my own cutlets and you're acting like it's no big deal. That's how I feel about you when you're making pasta with the kids. <laughs> Like, I've made gnocchi with the kids, like, maybe once or twice with each of them when they were little. And I was like, yes, let's cook together in the kitchen. And, like, there's just no way. But I hear you, and I agree that if your inclination is to, like, if you want to bring the kids in the kitchen and you're looking for a project, it's one that you might not think of that's actually so much easier than you think. Yes. And, and... I just think it speaks to these single single subject episodes that we've done, like like meatballs and like chicken nuggets and like nachos. It's like there is an entry point to any food thing for every family at every stage of life. Like whether you're a busy parent and you're doing pasta from a from the bo- like mac and cheese pasta from the box and you're just adding veggies. That's a super great starting point. And maybe you've mastered that and you are, or your kids are older and they want to help cook in the kitchen. And the thing that you can do is make pasta together. Yeah. Yeah. So respect Billis that you'll never do it. But I think people should try. Okay. We have four minutes to give a lightning round of your best pasta tips. I mean, I have like, do you want to go first? Because I have a very specific way that you need to cook pasta. I think it's easy. Okay, I just think you need to. Specific way. Yeah. Okay. Give it you to us. You just need to know it and then do it. And then your pasta is going to come out beautiful. Give it to us and then let's wrap this up. Okay. Love <laughs> it. Uh, you need to use a big enough pot. Yes. Sometimes people don't do that. And it needs to be filled with a lot of water. Yes. Like think about like a whole gallon of water for a pound of pasta. Okay. You need to heavily, heavily salt. Salty as the sea salt your pasta water. That's right. Um, If you don't like, if that isn't specific enough, think about like about a tablespoon per gallon of water, I would say. Do not add oil to the water. It's a waste. It doesn't help prevent sticking. It doesn't help boil over. Totally. Don't do it. So what you're doing with the salt is you're actually seasoning the pasta itself to create layers of saltiness because the pasta itself isn't going to be flavored with anything else. It's going to be tossed in a sauce. The cooking water is going to help the sauce adhere better, but they're actually separate elements. So you want to layer that saltiness. You want your pasta to have a little bit of saltiness. You want your sauce to have a little bit of saltiness. You'll put it together and then you can salt at the end if you need to. Okay. Then you need the water to come to a rolling boil. Yep. No simmers here, guys. No simmers. Then you add the pound of pasta and you stir it right away to keep it from clumping. You're going to have to stir it a couple of times in those first few minutes. And don't start watching your time until the water comes back to a rolling boil. But do pay attention to the time on the back of the box because they spend a lot of time researching that and it gives you guidelines. You're making a face. Because I'm about to say, I was going to say, cook it two to three minutes fewer than the back of the box. Oh, I don't know if I agree, Stacey. Because if you're going to toss it with your sauce, it's going to cook those final two to three minutes. That's true. That's and true. I always but some people are cooking sauce. pasta for pasta salad and they want it to be cooked. So, so I would say the- always pull out a couple pieces and taste that or test for doneness and think about how you're using the pasta. Are you meal prepping it like Stacy was talking about and you know that you're going to add it, like reheat it in a sauce later in the week, then you probably want to cook it less. 
if you're eating it right away and you're not and you're adding like a cold sauce, maybe you do follow the back of the box instructions. So if you are going to cook it ahead of time, you actually want to cook it for more like five to seven minutes less than that. Unless you're going to use it cold. That's the exception. If you're not going to reheat your pasta or toss your pasta in a sauce overheat right then and there, then yes, follow the back of the box. But otherwise, you cook it less, in my opinion. Unless you don't like your pasta al dente and you like it super soft. And then I'm sorry for you. (laughs) Some of us like it soft, I know. No. Ah, that sounded gross. But anyway, that's Moving just me. On. I'm going to keep going yes. and then okay. you can chime in with your technique. This is mine. So uh, two to three minutes less if you're going to toss it with your sauce. Drain it. Do not rinse it. But before you drain, make sure you scoop out the pasta water. Then you're going to heat your sauce or you maybe have a sauce already cooking. And I find it's better in a wide, high-sided pan, yep. not a pot. And then you're going to use tongs to put that pasta into the pan with your sauce and you're going to be tossing and cooking adding a little bit of the um, cooking water and that's going to help your sauce the way we talked about earlier and then you're going to get those final two to three minutes of cooking where your pasta is going to soften up so don't be afraid if it's still like a little crunchy it's going to cook more and also pasta cooks once you take it off the heat it continues to cook yes yes so remember that I just um, want to add real quick about this step of pulling things from the pasta water to the sauce. A spider is a really great tool when you're using cut pasta. Tongs are great if you're doing spaghetti, but if you're using smaller shapes, a spider is like almost like a, a strainer, but it has wider openings. They're really inexpensive if you have an Asian market in your town or you can order them on Amazon. They're a couple of bucks and they're great to have <laughs> for if you like to fry donuts, but also if you like to (laughs) cook pasta. I know, I'm like, uh, no one is frying donuts except for me. But they should be, Meg. I think those are good guidelines. And I think it's okay that we disagree on cooking time because honestly, people are going to take both views and they're going to do what works best for them and what their family likes. Absolutely. Which is how we like it. All right, Stacey, we've got to go. Find us as Didn't I Just Feed You on Instagram and Facebook, where you can also join our private listeners group. The answer to the secret question is whiskey. Most importantly, subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, tell your friends about us and leave us a review on iTunes. It does make a really big difference for our ratings, for people finding us. And honestly, we read each one of them and we know that people read them when they come to Didn't I Just Feed You as new listeners and we want to make them subscribers. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jim Endo. A huge thank you to our editors, Jeremy Enns, Samantha Gatsik, and the team at Counterweight Creative. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to smash all five stars on iTunes and subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding us kids and families. What's the grossest thing you've ever eaten? Uh, well, um, oh, a fish eyeball.